Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. It is time for uh, Movies and Booze. We are joined by Mick O'Connell, S. McCarthy and new girl, Tara Walsh. Good afternoon to you all. Hello. Hi. There we go. Ah, that's uh, Esther's there, loud and clear. That's great. Uh, uh, Tara, you're you're our token young person today. Uh, I am. Hello. So Thank congratulations. You for me. How's your uh, How's your song doing? Didn't you bring out a single? I did. I did. It's called Hooked. Yeah, it's doing well. I actually haven't released a song in a while. Actually, this is my first one. I released it last summer, and well, I that's a long to... while. That's your entire mm-hmm. life. Then, if it's your first but one, that would be yeah, quite some while. It's been a year. I need to oh. get back on it. Right. So it came out a year ago. Yeah, a year ago now. And how do you, how in this modern era, how do you rate whether something does well or not? Because people don't walk out with like them vinyl singles under their arms anymore. To be honest, Sean, if one person listened, I'd be delighted. (laughs) It was one of those things. It was just like a lockdown project. Um, And when I released it, I wasn't expecting it. You know, it was just one of those things myself, my brother did at home. And just to get it radio play was, I was delighted. But I don't know, I suppose you sign up to Imro and you can see all the listens and stuff on it. So I think... I think it's at like 4,000 on Spotify or something like that. Okay, so, all right. And that to me... It's, you know the way like, she's like vague about it? Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm not checking it every five minutes. Every day. Yeah. Let's be honest. It also means 40,000. Yeah. yeah. clearly. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. Well done. Well, uh, and how can you've only done one? Is it because you're abysmally lazy? Is it what, sir? Is it because you're lazy? Yeah, that's yeah. literally it. Yeah. yeah. Busy, lazy, bit of both. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and you did it with your, bro- with your brother, so you're yeah. kind of... Uh, yeah, so he's a he's he went to college to study music production. So he's very good at he's very good at it. So we just did it together. It was kind of a lockdown project. We were at home and we just said, Here, we're in the same house, why not do something together? So is it your single or is it the two of you? We go halves on it. In terms of credit. Yeah. On the single that would actually say the two of you. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna say the two of us because well we do say the two of us. Yeah. Because I wrote it and came up with the chord structure, but then he really brought it to life you know so it's just as much his as it is mine in my opinion anyway mm. so it, it, what, do you call yourself a name or is it Tara and your brother's name I just call myself it's just under Tara and then he's ah. he's credited as producer ah right okay yeah. that's that because I always think brother and sister groups are sound creepy it's like yeah. Donnie and Marie oh yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> More like Billy and Phineas. That's what yeah. we're going for. Billy and Phineas. <laughs> that's kind of a yeah. You don't really know who they are. They no. could be. They could be anyone. That's a yeah. good idea. A great surname. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic surname. Billy and Phineas. Billy. It, I don't. I, they're, they're O'Connells. Are they? Yeah. And apparently, they're. I think the mom is Irish. Really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Now. There you go. Now. That's that's good. I know you related to them. Of course. Yeah. Of course you are. Because. <laughs> Mick's a musician as well. Mick was in a band. We played Wait, a actually, single. He was, yeah. No way. He was, yeah. The this. whole well, thing, music festivals, puking sh- in cars, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah he we did the whole collaborate. thing. Yeah, <laughs> you should. Yes. Yeah, I see. We're making deals on the air already. Uh, Esther, how are you? I'm good, Tone. I've never been in a band, uh, but if you want a venue cleared at the end of the gig, I'll come up and sing a song for you. Okay, we'll keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> now, the two movies like Dune, uh, is is the, is it Dune, one says, or Dune? I don't know, but it, it, obviously that's huge. Yes, it's a huge release. And I'm going to struggle with this one because it's whatever it is about my soft vowel, I sound like I'm saying the month in the middle of the summer. So I'm going to have to really go for Dune on this one. Um and it's a huge film, of course. Um, 
from Dennis Villeneuve, uh, he's follow up to Arrival and Blade Runner, three for three now in science fiction. So, and this is more science fictiony than anything he's ever done. Um, adapted from a novel, I suppose it's been proven already that it's a tricky one to adapt. It's a 1965 science fiction novel by Frank Herbert. Um, you might remember David Lynch had a stab in yeah, 1984. Yeah, it was garbage. Yeah, I've never seen it actually. And I, I once this was announced, I thought there's no point in seeing it, if you know what I mean. Um, but it is ca- kind of comically derided, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there was a voiceover and he just kept saying spice. Uh, it became really annoying uh, after the first 20 minutes of the film. Yeah, yeah. Kyle MacLachlan, of course, was a big star for a while there at the time. Seems like a strange piece of casting now. And with Patrick Stewart and Sting as well. Uh, So this is trying to go way, way beyond that, I suppose, and do something much more uh, epic. And it left me a little bit cold, I have to say, even though I'm a big Dennis Villeneuve fan. um, I've, I've loved his last few films. Uh, but this one I had some problems and we'll talk a bit more about okay. that later, I guess. All right. uh, and th- this is a rarity. You're going to review a film I've already seen. Uh, Ron's Gone Wrong. Ah, have you seen this already? I have, yeah. So last weekend with a couple of six-year-olds. And listen, what did the six-year-olds make of it? One of them turned to me halfway through and says, will this be on for much longer? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which I I took that to be a damning review. Now, her popcorn had run out. So uh, uh, that was possibly a factor there. I think we should just get her in. What's the point of me reviewing this? Like, that's a scathing line. (laughs) But but it seems sweet enough and it has a kind of message and stuff. It's sweet, it's harmless, the animation's nice. I think the the way, like the whole premise of it feeding into tech um, and and children's interest in tech, I suppose is something a little bit novel. Uh, But yeah, I was kind of, I felt the same way as a six-year-old, I have to say, a a little bit of the way in. Yeah, Yeah. she's obviously a very shrewd critic, that kid. Yes, she'll go far. Right, so what uh, (laughs) wines are we talking about today, Mick? We've got two wines today that I've gone for a a, a loose Halloween theme on. One is a little bit wintry and one is orange. Um, so orange in, in the pumpkin kind of thing. Uh, it literally I'm, looks orange. It yes. looks orange as well. Yeah, it's it's mad. So this is the orange one is from um, uh, Azienda in eastern Italy called Della Staffa. So it's just south of Tuscany into Umbria. It's made from a grape Trebbiano. And again, orange wine is is white wine made like red wine. So a little bit of skin contact there. And then with the red, we have a Marciac. So Marciac is also one of these kind of unheard of appellations in the southwest slash southwest central part of France. So if you drew an equilateral triangle and had Toulouse and Montpellier, the top point would be where Marciac is roughly. Right. Um, but really kind of quite rustic, spicy reds. OK, uh, look, uh, looking forward to them. The hashtag, as I was saying earlier on, is clubbing movies to kind of uh, mark the uh, reopening of the clubs tonight. And uh, as I was saying earlier on, uh, lots of references to Tamangos indicating the age profile of uh, the people on Twitter playing the game. Here are some more indications of their of their age profile. Uncle Buck Whaley's, as I understand it, they're no longer. The Pink Elephant Man, also they're no longer. Uh, Rita Sue and Bad Bobs too, also they're no longer. An Invasion of the Pod People, uh, they're no longer. Somebody even mentioned The Grove. <laughs> 
I'd say, Mick, you played at the Grove at some point in the past. Not quite. Not quite. Funnily <laughs> enough, I'm too young for the Grove. Oh, right, of course yeah, you are. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah in, indeed. Uh, I suppose uh, uh, other uh, offerings, Cool Hand Puke, Dances with Covids, and Riding in the Jacks with Boys. I don't know if that happens in, in clubs anymore. Uh, Tara, I won't ask you that. Uh, <laughs> so Harry Styles is going to be in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, this is a bit of a mad one. So the premiere of the new Eternals movie took place in LA recently. Um, Of course, there were critics at it and Variety reporters were there and they tweeted that, you know, he makes an appearance in a post credit scene at the very end as Thanos' brother Eros. So this is just mad. I feel like Harry Styles is showing up everywhere. He's he's just like, so he's releasing a new movie now soon as well with Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde directing. He's also in a new movie called My Policeman coming out next year. So he's slowly but surely going into Hollywood and kind of leaving music a little bit astray. So... Uh, yeah. Can he act, do we know? Yes. That's the thing. He was in Dunkirk, but Sean, I actually haven't seen Dunkirk. Okay. You mightn't even have noticed. Because yeah. you spent most of the time with your hands over your ears going, my God, this is loud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, who was he in? Oh, I, well, you haven't seen it, so we don't know who he was. I don't in, remember yeah. him in Pilot Dunkirk. number 73 or something. Yeah, now this is causing a little bit of... Um, tension online should I say because some people think that this is you know it's a spoiler announcing that he's in a post credit scene but we don't know the context of the scene you know we just know that he's he's there as right. that. but it's so random I just was not expecting this at all now Thanos am I right about is dead he was yeah. killed by the Avengers. Yeah. Is that correct? So Eros, what's his deal do we know? So he's actually described now online I'm not if You'd have to dive into the MCU and it is so detailed and there's so much to it. But what I do know is that he is able to control people's emotions and pleasure centres. A fun-loving, carefree womanizer. That's how he's being described. That's okay. So a superpower is horniness. Yeah, pretty much. There you go. Nailed yeah, it. okay. That's a, that's an interesting one. Uh, well, I suppose, you know, that's a, there might be a connection. A lot of people would think that of him in, in real life anyway. Yeah, everyone would see him as, you know, I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. A hottie, I suppose. I suppose, yeah, that, That's so, like, old of me, isn't it? <laughs> that is. I mean, you're, you're, you're just fitting us in yeah. with us now. Uh, you're speak, speaking a language we can understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's some man to wear a dress. Uh, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, he yeah, is, yeah. In, in fairness to him. Uh, so, this, so is, do we know when this movie with him as Eros and it is coming out? Or yeah. is there any indications of that? Yeah, so this is The Eternals. And it's actually out November, ah, where is it? November 5th. Right, okay, so well, that's, soon. Not, that's not too far away. Yeah, yeah, two weeks' time or so. Yeah. Okay, Mick, tell us about the orange wine. So this is a Treviano, which is a random grape variety. You don't, you don't tend to see a lot of it labelled um, in Italy. It doesn't get labelled as Treviano. It tends to quite often be house wine, etc. Right across Italy, from north to south, they grow a bit of Trebbiano. This particular one is biodynamically farmed in Umbria. So again, just over the kind of Tuscan border towards the east and south. Um, and it's from, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but Conestabile della Staffa, which I think means the Counts of Staffa. Right. Um, but this particular guy, Daniele, he um, was an architect by trade and started making wine in around 2000. He got very, very much bitten by the natural wine buzz. And that is what we have in the glass here. In terms of colour, really, really deep kind of golden, amber, orange, which I think colour-wise can be sometimes enough to put some people off. And I think this is, again, is one of those wines. It'll be a bit of a Marmite wine. 50% of people will love it. 50% of people will hate it. 
because of the way it's made, mm. it's made with, in the same way you would make a red wine, usually what happens is with a white wine, you squish the grapes and you push the juice over to one side and you ferment the juice and it's nowhere near the skins. With an orange wine, you ferment the juice on the skin, so in contact with the skin. So a better name for orange wine is skin contact wine. You get this bite and real pithiness with the wine and it becomes a really different thing when you have food. Mm. I should have really brought us a hard cheese board just to um, just to show this wine in its kind of every place. week. Oh, yeah. I should have brought in <laughs> one arm now. as long as the other. Any day now, yeah. I'm going to have five minutes where I'm not in traffic and I'm going to go into Sheridan's <laughs> and I'm going to get us some Pecorino. And this is what Pecorino is made for this wine and vice versa. That kind of hard Italian cheese where it's mm. almost spicy in itself the tannin and the acid and the pithiness all cut through that and you just have an absolute match made in heaven. The other thing with orange wine that is fantastic, it works right across a meal. So sometimes, you know, you'll have that thing of someone wants to drink a white wine, but you you must pair it with red wine because it's steak or something yeah, like that. Yeah. These kind of wines work with that. Yeah, So, but, but technically it's a red wine. It's made with, with red grapes. It's, it's made with white grapes. With white it's, grapes, it's right. It's done in the same way. So you, in general, 99.99, percent of white wine that you'll see is pale and the reason that it's pale is because it hasn't spent any time in contact with the skins Mm. so usually conventionally wine doesn't uh, isn't made in the same way as red wine so you don't get that tannic grip and that tannin thing is that kind of dusty dry sensation you feel in your mouth after after a glass of red wine Mm. yeah it's 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 got a very unusual aftertaste that I, I I wouldn't know what to put how it, to describe. It feels that. like it goes on, doesn't it? It does go on after you taste it. It's like it it gets nicer. We like that. We yeah. like that a lot. Really it, it, nice. We, in in boring wine parlance, that would be it has a very long finish. Yeah, <laughs> sticks yeah. around for hours. <laughs> very long finish. Right. Okay. Uh, Esther, uh, would you like to do Dune first? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, okay. Dune. Let's do Dune after this. My lord, you gave your word to the witch. She sees too much. I said I would not harm them, and I shall not. But Arrakis is Arrakis. And the desert takes the weak. My desert. My Arrakis. My doom. There you go. Uh, that's Dune, the, or the new iteration, the Dennis Villeneuve uh, iteration of that. So... What's the story, Esther? Well, the story is it's set in the distant future and centres around uh, Paul Atreides, who's uh, played by Timothy Chalamet, and he's the son and heir of Duke Leto, uh, who's given he's given stewardship of this volatile planet by the name of Arrakis, which is also known as Dune. Um, that's been traditionally ruled by the House of Atreides rivals the Harkonnen I'm going to be tested on my pronunciations here there's a whole language to this and the two houses have long been involved in a power struggle Um, the reason everyone wants Dune is it's home to one of the most precious substances in the universe uh, known as spice as you already mentioned from the first film Uh, it doesn't get whispered over and over again thankfully (laughs) Uh, but this substance can help It can help people live longer, have really gifted thought and brain capacity and makes super fast travel across space really easily attainable. So there's a lot of power if you can mine this precious substance. Um, 
so Nito is is given this planet and he's kind of suspicious that he's been gifted a trap, but he nevertheless heads with um with Paul, his son, and his concubine, uh, Jessica, who's played by a very good Rebecca Ferguson here, actually. They head to Arrakis, start looking for spice in the desert planet, despite um, the presence of these very nifty, I have to say, there's a lot of very nifty um, sci-fi ideas in here. Uh, these giant sandworms, so they kind of create these rapidly expanding storms that can can kill you if you get caught in them. So that's, that features in a few of the big set pieces in the film. Um, stuff then, there's kind of a crisis. I, I don't want to go too much into detail because it's very dense in its st- storytelling. This, I would call it maybe like Star Wars notions. Um, there's a lot of references, a lot of density to the story, which is actually quite simple for all of that. Um, but they, they, there is a kind of this tragedy, family tragedy, and Paul and his mother, Jessica, are, who are very close, turn to the Fremen, who are the natives. They're the native people in the planet, uh, uh, Arrakis or June, uh, but they live in the desert and have been oppressed by the existing leaders for years. So I think what Paul and Jessica hope to achieve is to get the Fremen on side with them um, in their big epic battle. So there, as I said, there's some of the good stuff, first of all, there's really nifty things. Uh, Paul and, and his mother share this secret form of telepathy in sign language. Um, and it's really used very well as plot devices. They can communicate when they're under grave threat with other people nearby. So that's quite interesting. Um, f- from early on, though, it's hinted at that Paul might be a form of messiah. He might be a saviour of people. So he's supposed to be this big warrior character. And I cannot, for the life of me, frankly, understand why Timothy Chalamet is playing him. Because, uh, first of all, like it's a, it's a miscasting, I think. Ooh. I mean, the guy looks like if a puff of wind had blown him over. How are we supposed <laughs> to expect him to save the universe, you know? He just... He just... And as you know, Sean, I have previous with Timothy. Mm, I'm not a huge do. fan. Um, I... First saw him. I, I I first saw him in a film called Beautiful Boy, which is um, a really touching novel adaptation with Steve Carell, uh, based on a true story actually um, about um, the throw to the father of a son who is deep deep in addiction. And I was like, oh my god, could we stop with the method? Could we stop with the mannerisms and and just give us a bit of nuance? And I've always felt that about him ever since. Um, I never feel him morph into a role I always feel like I'm watching Timothy Chalamet acting um, and I think it was a distraction here as well uh, to be honest though he's not the main issue as I said there's some really this is really long by the way it's 2 hours 35 2 hours 40 uh, and there's some really great things there's like these futuristic airplanes that have three sets of wings um, mm. these great suits that I'll be honest with you Esther you're reaching to say positive things about this there's some nice I'm, pictures as, you know, the I'm best. kind of reaching yeah. and even the vi- for all the visualness um, you know of Dennis Villeneuve which is a given like and I saw it in the IMAX and it, it just looks amazing on screen but I even felt like I was going oh my god it's like a series of gorgeous images competing from each other mm. and I almost had beautiful image fatigue by the end of it um, now, some people will like think I'm crazy. I'm a sociopath, basically, when they see it because it's getting five star reviews all over the place. But down to the simple stuff for me, um, it had an aloofness about it that made it hard for me to care about the characters. 
casting choice, as I say, was, was strange for a character who's supposed to be so imposing. Um, and I never felt emotionally invested in them or the dangers that faced them. It just felt a bit in love with itself um, for me. And I didn't find, you know, the way he can create this brilliant sci-fi villain of um, and get to the very heart of it. Like, I really enjoyed the Blade Runner. Uh, I think it had loads of new ideas, but it had, you know, a bit of character, a bit of substance as well. But I think where he really did it brilliantly was in Arrival, where, you know, most of us went, this is great. Um, Amy Adams is great. I wonder what's going to happen with these aliens. And then we're like the last half an hour in a quivering, sobbing wreck at the finale that we got in that film, which was just really stunning and so original. So he's capable of doing it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, But I just didn't feel it here, you know? I just really... I just... Yeah, I think it's almost a a film that gets... where where the story gets swamped by its interest in visual strikingness. You know that kind of way? It's just almost too much. Uh, Often, though, there's a a kind of problem with these kind of films, by which I mean these big epic-y films, that... They're trying to paint a picture of, you know, an intergalactic empire or whatever, plus while also having personal stories that you can invest in. Uh, and so so something has to give. Yeah. And the other problem here is structure. Like we are getting another Dune. This is the first part of a two part episode. Right. And it's also being hinted at now that we might get a TV spinoff um, based around the female characters as well called Dune, the sisterhood. So this is. This has a bang of a franchise off it, even though it is as singular a filmmaker as De- Dennis Villeneuve. You know what I mean? Um, also, I'm kind of a bit sci-fied out from him now. I'd love to see him back doing drama because my favourite film of all of his is um, Prisoners, which is just a brilliant um, mystery, m- missing child drama, brilliant performances from Hugh Hackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Um I'm sure Dennis Villeneuve is losing sleep at night knowing I'm not happy with him making sci-fi all the time. But I just really, I think that film is another example. Like the last five minutes of that film is one of the best endings you'll ever see in a movie, mm. in Prisoners. And I think it anchors it all, again, in, in uh, humanity and in human storytelling and in people we can care about. So he's well able to do it. I just don't know why it ha- isn't happening here. I yeah. just didn't feel it, to be honest with you. Right, okay. Well, time to read out some text telling Esther just how wrong she is. Uh, here we go. Uh, please tell her to read the book before complaining about the casting. Uh, it says, But you're not going to read a book. You're going to see a film. Exactly. Um, um, people who have who I have seen that it's a faithful adaptation of the book for for those who are interested in that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm not going I'm not like the film has to work in its own marriage, you know, that's the first thing it has to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, ch- and and sometimes when I see faithful adaptation of the book, I go, is that what the problem is there? You know? Yeah. Because you have to let the filmmakers be filmmakers and bring their own cut and thrust into the storytelling. Uh Jimmy says Timothy Chamelet is an absolutely brilliant actor. Granted, Beautiful Boy wasn't his best, surprised at Esther, but then again she liked Remy Malik as Freddie Mercury. Uh, oh, the oh, the four-winged dragonfly-looking ships are just ridiculous. Flapping motion rather than more of a rotary or jet engine type, especially in all that sand. Flapping wings, uh, like at hundreds of beats a second. Uh, somebody else says Dune is uh, really good and well done. Only problem I had with it is that I wasn't aware it was set up to be a trilogy. Was enjoying it so so disappointed when it ends. So is it a, a trilogy or is it just two films? There's two films confirmed. There is talk of a trilogy and what has been announced so far is a second film and a, a TV spin-off. 
Um, right. So this is only all coming out in the last few days. It's kind of all new. They, yeah. they managed to slight hand with that one, you know. Uh, Mary wonders, is, is it a Hollywood requirement that Timothy Chalamet be in your films these days? There is a, I you know, mean, there is a bang of that offer. Yeah, he's doing Willy Wonka next and I'm really Whoa. not good with that at all. Right, 30 years ago, says Kieran. I watched, uh, I was watching Dune, only managed to watch half of it, a blessed relief, because Rebecca Connolly announced to the world that it was time for her to arrive. Swap Dune for the Coombe. Uh, it was all very emotional, still don't know how it ended, and that's a good thing, uh, says Kieran. There's a really good review uh, for Dune. And uh, somebody else wonders, why are nerds being catered to with so many movies? Is it because they are so obsessive and buy all the tat and go multiple times to see it? Hollywood just realised these geeks were a cash cow. Like, seriously, Dune sounds like absolute nonsense. Now, I, I, just I, I detect a vague <laughs> bit of judgment in that, but maybe there's a point. Can I just um, disappear backwards into the hedge now, a la Simpsons, and say it was Sean that used the word geeks and nerds, okay? Yeah. Not me. Yeah, okay. Well, that was just somebody texted that in. I'm just reading it out. Uh, don't yeah, shoot no, the look- messenger. Uh, no, I'll have to get an <laughs> I- armed guard on the way home now. <laughs> I think there is a lot of fan service in films these days. I don't know if it's a new thing or it's just that we're getting so much of it that it's more obvious. Um, it definitely feels like there is a whole fan audience out there, you know, um, and it does feel like it's kind of serving them. And I think it, they, they, they're, they're doing themselves a disservice if they get unhappy with different en- endings and stuff because you need to let people be creative with source material because that's when the magic happens, you know. Yeah. Uh, someone says Harry uh, Styles uh, had a reason to be big role in Dunkirk and he was actually pretty good. He was excellent in it, actually. I was, you know, he's he, I think it was a perfect debut feature for someone like him because it, everyone's going not going. Oh, look at the guy off the boy band trying to be an actor. You know, he fitted in as a kind of um, I think he was a composite character and he was part of an ensemble. Um, he had two or three big scenes, though, and I really thought he had. He right. was absolutely brilliant in them. I think he's going to have a great career as an actor. In fact, I'm kind of wondering why he hasn't been doing stuff since. You know, I've been kind of waiting to see what he'd do next. Uh, well, Tara was just telling us he's going to be in a Marvel yeah. movie and, and uh, it seems a couple of other things as well. Stephen says something brilliant. similar. Harry Styles was actually decent in Dunkirk. Uh, I really wanted to hate him, uh, but as a peripheral character, he was believable and didn't stick out, which is what you want. He's been on screen for about 10 minutes before I realised who it was. You couldn't get a better review than that, actually. Uh, Though Jimmy says, unpopular opinion, but Dunkirk was absolute muck. I'm sure Esther disagrees. Also, Bohemian Rhapsody is still shite. It's been a while, uh, says Jimmy, who likes to text that one in uh, every few few weeks. Uh, Anyway, uh, The Lost Daughter, Tara. Tell us about that. Yeah, so there's a new movie coming out on Netflix. It's called The Lost Daughter. It's Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut from a script she adapted from the novel by Elena Ferrante. And it's got some Irish cast members in it. So Paul Meskell, you'll know from Normal People, mm. he stars in it uh, alongside Jesse Buckley as well. And they're joined by Olivia Coleman on screen, who's the lead actress in it. Dakota Johnson's in it, Ed Harris um, and Peter Scar- Sarsgaard. That one gets me every time. Yeah. Sarsgaard. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the trailer came out this week. Looks very artsy. And to be honest, I don't know if it's something that I would watch only for the cast is so good. And it's Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut. So I am excited to see it. Um, it's basically Olivia Coleman. She plays a woman named Lida. Uh, she goes alone on a seaside vacation and she basically just becomes obsessed with a young mother and daughter. She watches them on the beach and she it kind of takes her back to her 
struggles and confusion with early motherhood and there's a lot of vagueness to the trailer um i feel like it's something you have to watch the movie when it comes out to fully understand what the plot is right okay uh but it's uh in a Ferranti anyway so it's probably with it's got a built-in audience there to a certain degree anyway yeah i would have thought yeah yeah yeah. no it did it, it does look good and with such a big cast like i'm actually really excited to see it right okay right we do have to take a break uh we have uh one more movie and uh one more one to talk about after this 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Tara and Esther and Mick are still with us. Uh, we've already talked about Dune. Esther's reaction was mm. And uh, we've uh, had a very nice uh, orange wine uh, as well. Really, it was an orange wine. Uh, Brian says, feeling Esther's frustration with Chalamet. Get the same feeling watching her heart throb gosling. Boom. Uh, Ronan in Wicklow says, I'm really curious about how good Harry Styles acting actually is now that he's been getting all these roles. He was good in Dunkirk, but that was a very minor role. I know Marvel isn't exactly high art, but I'd like to think we'll get a good insight into his skills from his new role, says uh, Ronan. But as uh, Tara was saying, he's going to be in uh, a couple of other films as well, which I assume are coming out before the yeah. Marvel one. Yeah. So yeah. We will get an idea. Eric uh, says, went to see Dune yesterday, was very let down. Uh, I think you uh, have to be familiar with the source material to get into it. It felt a bit like two and a half hours of exposition with no real climax or conclusion. Because because there's going to be another film, I imagine. Sorry, actually, I'm wrong. Harry Styles' next movie isn't out until next year, so we will be seeing him in Eternals first. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, the, uh, I must say, I thought Dune was just incredible. I know you felt the movie was obsessed with its visual components, but watching it on IMAX is an incredible experience, uh, says Malcolm, who had a bit of a smoke with the lads beforehand, no doubt. And uh, Kira in uh, Claire says, fun fact, uh, the MCU, that being the Marvel Cinematic Universe, now has three actors who used to date Taylor Swift. Oh, my God. Is that true? <laughs> Yeah, that's but, amazingly observant. Observant, well done. Oh yeah, because you yeah. have you have uh, Tom Hiddleston, um, and now Harry Styles, and who's the third one? I don't know. The uh, other one. Don't ask me. No, look at us. We have no idea. <laughs> uh, right, uh, Dune franchise. Check the source material. Six books. All quite cerebral, but let, no less fascinating for that. Uh, says Margaret. Uh, Liz says love love Jesse Buckley. But no one seems to remember that she came second in Andrew Lloyd Webber's search for a Nancy in in Oliver. She was robbed. Well, I don't think it did her career any harm, it must be said. And uh, uh, she will be appearing in this new uh, production with uh, Paul Mescal. Going to be really unpopular, but don't understand the love for Paul Mescal. Poor actor and normal people was the most overrated tripe I've ever seen, says Peter. Um, the, um, but the same he look good in the parish. Uh, on, on the same theme, Robbie says, I hope they give Paul Mascal a speaking part uh, in this movie. Uh, uh, Tom says, Call me by your name. Ladybird, Little Women, Timothy Chalamet is no good. OMG, as the kids would say. Nonsense, uh, says Tom. Right, OK, a lot of strident uh, opinions there. Let's have a glass of wine, Mick, to get over that. So we have a glass of French country wine. This is Marciac by a producer called Julien Toulier, Domaine de Croix. And, and Marciac is kind of in the southwest part of, of France. And this is made from a really weird grape variety called Mansoise, but also known as Fer Servadou. Really, this is one of those that 
probably I should know as a grape variety, but this is the only wine that I know from this grape variety. So it's a pretty unique thing. This is really kind of mineral, slightly spicy, gravelly kind of style. I think it's proper comfort food wine. Mm-hmm. So this is with your beef stew over um, over Halloween. But um, oh, it's really nice. Yeah. I really like that. That's yeah. lovely. Top notch. It's, yeah. it's pretty yeah. delish. And and this particular cuvee is is they they call it cuvee number twenty five, and it's from a vineyard called Beza Dunes. But they also this one would be twenty two quid. They also have a, a an estate wine which is seventeen euros, which is very very similar in style. The difference with this particular cuvee is they don't add any sulfites. Mm. So you see that on pretty much every bottle of wine, it'll say contains sulfites. And sulfites is a very good antioxidant and it's a very good antimicrobial. So most winemakers would would use sulfur and use it so that their wine hits the the shelf in good condition. Um, But you see a set of producers who are all in this kind of natural wine category who are now moving towards this kind of style where they're using less sulfites or no sulfites at all. And their idea behind this is is to kind of, in their mind, they're showing the true identity of this grape in that set of uh, terroir, in mm. that vineyard. Um, what is interesting is tasting some cuvées where you have one without sulfites and one with sulfites. And quite often they're pretty much the same. So yeah. it's a, what does an estate wine mean? So if, if you think about uh, a house or a chateau in the middle of a set of land, the hmm. estate would be the vineyards all around that chateau blended together. So you'd see that in, in Bordeaux, for example. Pretty much every wine in Bordeaux is one winery in the middle of a load of vineyards and the load of vineyards are blended into one or maybe two wines, but they're all blended together. If you take somewhere like Burgundy, they are kind of separated by vineyards. So you'll have Grand Cru vineyards, Premier Cru vineyards, and then mm. named vineyards called LUD. So they do it in a really different way. They don't blend all the grapes together. They take a different vineyard and they bottle that, and then another vineyard and they bottle that. So an estate wine is basically... Um, the whole set of what they do pushed together. Right, okay. All right, that that explains that nicely. Now, uh, uh, actually, we were talking about Apple TV Plus uh, before we came on air as to whether it's worth it or not. They do have a new drama series coming, Extrapolations. Meryl Streep. Yeah, this was announced this week. uh, Star-studded cast, Meryl Streep, Sienna Miller, Kit Harrington, Matthew Rhys, Gemma Chan and David Schwimmer as well. Wow. So um, it's going to be a season of eight interconnected episodes or stories about how the Earth's changing climate will affect love, faith, work and family on a personal and human scale. So that's the description that's been given for it. Um, so it's created by writer and director uh, Scott Z. Burns. He is the same man behind The Bourne Ultimatum, Contagion, uh, The Laundromat. So. Okay, so it would be a subtle exploration of, <laughs> of the human condition then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's currently in production, just announced this week. Great cast. So it'll be interesting to see what it's like. Apple TV+. Yeah, Plus. but if it's an anthology, they can be so ropey. Yeah, exactly. You'd really, or, you know, mixed. This is a weird one for me. I don't know how I feel about it. It's kind of like it could be good or it could be... Not so good. Once Meryl again, Streep, though. yeah, that's the I thing. know. But there was a, a anthology ones. You know damn well they were made during uh, they were made during lockdown, so they just have one person stuck yeah. in a room <laughs> thinking about somebody else who's stuck in a room. Are you going to see the next one? Uh, visually, perhaps not that it's no June. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, anyway, we're t- uh, trying to give away a huge amount of money today, uh, or we're going to find out whether we managed to do that or not. We're all going to go for a short stroll back in a while. Your chance to win big. 
News Talks Cash Machine. Hey, this is Barry Dunn, and over the last couple of days, we have started to ask ourselves questions. What's wrong with us? Why won't anybody answer the phone? What's wrong with our money? We haven't had a winner on the cash machine since Monday afternoon, which does mean if you've entered since Tuesday, you are still in the draw to win today's cash amount, which is over €10,000. It's a bank holiday weekend. We'd like to help you make bank for it. So even if the person that we ring now doesn't answer, we are still going to give the money away today because we are going to keep going and going and going until somebody picks up the phone and we give them the cash. Let's do it now. The cash machine is loaded up with our first phone number and we are ready to give away the money. You know how this works. You've got to answer within five rings. It's us. Please pick it up and we could change your life. One ring. Two rings. Hello? It's Barry Dunphoning from The Cash Machine. How are you today? Great, thank you. Good. Who am I talking to? Regina. Regina, you've uh, heard the cash amount. We gave it out this morning at 8am. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I hope you did. I I don't know what it was today. Oh! No. No. Regina, we're going to have to let you go. Oh, no. Bye. One ring. Two rings. Hello. Barry Dunn, phoning from the cash machine. Who am I talking to today? Uh, my name is Ted. Ted, nice to talk uh, to you. Thank you very much, Barry. What part of Ireland are you in? I'm in Scorthy in uh, County Wexford. Nice weather down in Wexford. It's been a good day. We gave out our winning cash amount on the radio this morning, just after 8am. It's quite a lot of money. It's over €10,000. So, if you'd like to... Take this in your own time, but I'd love for you to tell us exactly how much is in the cash machine today. €10,425.37. Ted, you have got the money. Oh, I, don't, I don't believe it, Barry. Thank you so much. Jesus. God, that's fantastic. There are going to be serious <laughs> celebrations at Enniscorthy this oh, afternoon. There certainly will. Thank you so much. Uh, any plans long-term for the money? What are you thinking of doing with it? Yeah, we actually have... We need an extension on our house, but that would be absolutely fantastic. Let us do our bit for that with that 10 grand. Congratulations, Ted. Have a fantastic weekend. Oh, God, I will now. Thank you so much. The Cash Machine returns after the bank holiday weekend. Listen to News Talk Breakfast with Kira and Shane Tuesday morning at 8am to hear our brand new cash amount. I could be calling you Tuesday afternoon and make sure we've got your number if you want to be our next winner text play to 57599 text will cost 2 euro 50 terms and conditions are on our website you're playing across the goal network of stations and you need to be over 18 best of luck news talks cash machine that's mad ted right we'll move on to our second movie of the day it's ron's gone wrong here's a clip (laughs) what have you done to my room i have stayed here and learned stuff what i now know everything about you I know your underpants combust at a temperature of 232 degrees Fahrenheit, 17 degrees below the melting point of your inhaler. I know you have 11 socks and four books detailing the life of Bill the Bus. Now, I'm your best friend out of the box. There you go. That's uh, Ron's Gone Wrong. Uh, it's... It- it's kind of in the film. It's, it seems to be it's about everyone has a personal computer, but it's really about phones. Yeah, and about maybe switching off and stuff like that. Uh, not too earnest about it, though, in fairness. Mm. Um, and I like the message about that socially awkward little character by name Barney, who's voiced by Dylan Grazer as well, and how he's, you know, it's a nice story that how he's struggling to make friends at school and he's trying to be like everyone else. Um, 
and he's the only person in his class who doesn't have a bebot. Um, and that is Ron. Um, in his case, it's a little robot-like contraption and it's older age amongst his peers. And when they, when his mother and his delightfully wacky granny, I really enjoyed the granny in this one. Mm. Did you recognise Olivia Coleman's voice, Sean? Oh, was that her? She, Crikey. Yeah, yeah. Um, they decide they're going to go get a bebot so that um, Barney can fit in with all the other kids. But the only one they can get is kind of, you know, the... It literally you know, fell off the back of a lorry. Fell off the back of a lorry. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the kind of slightly useless version of the thing that everyone else had. So I think they do milk that for its comic opportunity. It has a bit of heart. Um, it doesn't build story in the way that the great animated films do, I think it's fair to say. Um, but I did enjoy it. I enjoyed Zach uh, Gal- Galifianak. Oh my God. Your man with the long surname from the Hangover movies. Yeah, not the fella. <laughs> voices. Yeah. Um, who voices the character of Ron and is very perky and it's a nice performance. And I kind of liked the animation as well. It was a little bit different looking and, um, you know, mixed tech and and the human characters quite well, I thought. Yeah, it's fine. It's grand. I'm damning it with faint praise, haven't I? Mm. Um, it, it It was grand. It was full of ideas, maybe too full of ideas that didn't kind of explore them properly or in a way that may, would make sense but I think it's that kind of um, sugar rush of a busy little film that will appeal to younger children I think or maybe not if your um, um, critic wanted to leave early on <laughs> so it doesn't overstay its welcome though it's only an hour and a half long mm. and uh, yeah yeah it, it was kind of slapstick I think that the, the kind of message about you know, over. You know, they have that nice character who wanted to make something genuinely good for kids. That kind of went over their heads a little bit. I don't think they got that at all. Maybe that was the whole point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and really, all, all they uh, all they said to me afterwards was, "Can you get them? That'd be cool. I want one." <laughs> so uh, maybe uh, uh, the opposite of uh, uh, what they'd intended. But it's not bad, as you say. It's a kind of a sweet little film. Uh, Cleana asks, can you please mention the Indian Film Festival of Ireland, which starts tonight at Dundrum Cinema and is available to view online from tomorrow from 2pm. Details on the website indianfilmfestivalofireland.ie. I didn't know there was one. And all the screenings are free. So uh, you can check that out if you like. Uh, Finally, um, The Rock and Vin Diesel have beef. Yeah, the well, rock. obviously they do, but with each other. Yeah, so they've they haven't really gotten on ever since you know Dwayne Johnson joined the Fast and Furious franchise. He joined for Fast Five, I think that was back in two thousand seventeen. He's done a couple movies with the franchise. He did Hobbs and Shaw then as well. But uh, he's been very vocal in the past about how they basically don't get on. I don't know if you remember. I think I think it was last year. Yeah, it was last year or the year previous, but in recent years anyway, uh, Dwayne Johnson released a statement on Instagram and basically slammed his certain male co-stars. We knew who they were. It was Vin Diesel. Um, and in a recent interview, he spoke about... What did he slam them for, though? What are they doing that he doesn't like? This is the thing. Nobody really fully understands <sighs> what it is. Um, Dwayne Johnson... Actors. Yeah. Do, do you know, Vin Diesel described it as we're two alpha males. And I think one wants to be on top of the other and there's this just absolute... That doesn't sound like alpha males to me. That sounds like something completely different. Okay, I said that wrong. Yeah. You get what I mean though. Yeah, oh yeah. In in a recent interview, Dwayne Johnson spoke about it with Vanity Fair and he shared his belief. He said, well look... 
we're philosophically two very different people and we approach the business of movie making in two very different ways. He then shared how he likes to approach it. He said, um, it's the philosophy of going into work every day, looking at everybody as equal partners and looking at the studio as equal partners. Ah, right. Okay, roughly translated, Vin Diesel is a dick. Yeah, he <laughs> treats everybody like filth. Thank you all uh, very much. Thanks to Tara, Mick and Esther. Movies and Booze on Moncrief Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range Lidl, more for you Enjoy alcohol sensibly Visit drinkaware.ie